Welcome to the Mystical Mashup Podcast. I'm Megan Rounds, and today I'm going to mash it up for Thanksgiving with some thoughts around tradition, conditioning, giving and receiving, a poem, and some listener sentiments too. I love about being alive today is how easy it is to tailor things like holidays to align with my values. As the only American-born member of my immediate family, I'm the one who was brought to the table. <laughs> Get it? Table? Thanksgiving? <laughs> the insistence of a traditional Thanksgiving meal. My husband and daughter could really care less about it, though. This year, that became even more evident because to prepare a whole turkey and all of the fix-ins would require a disproportionate amount of work to feed the three of us. It got me to thinking about why turkey and company were so important to me in the first place, but also about a more equal balance between giving and receiving. In this case, giving in terms of meal planning and preparation and receiving a tasty meal. Today I'll share with you what I've learned while also peppering in a variety of sentiments friends have shared with me around what they're thankful for, starting with this one. So since March 13th of this year, before the end of winter, I have been pretty much home with my kids every day. and. I have a million things to be grateful for if I look around and start saying, oh yeah, we have this, we have this, we have this. And it's been, it's been hard though. And so the thing that I'm grateful most for is that every day something comes along that I can joke about, that I can laugh about, that my friends show me something that's just freaking hilarious and I just find myself just belly laughing <laughs> and that keeps me going that gives me what I need every day to just lift me up enough to get through another day the same day over and over but <laughs> it's it's okay and and I am getting through and my kids are thriving even in this and it's going to be all right. And I, I feel that in my heart that we're going to be okay. And I'm so grateful to be able to make this message and be a part of something bigger than myself today. So much love to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Did you know the cornucopia, that horn-shaped object often associated with Thanksgiving because of its symbolism of abundance, is actually rooted in magic? That's right! The cornucopia, also known as the Horn of Plenty, got its horn shape from Greek mythology. Zeus, who as a child had to be hidden from his father Kronos for reasons I'd rather not mention here, was nursed by a magical maiden goat. At some point, Zeus pulled off one of her horns, which became an endless supply of nourishment. While the symbolism of an abundant feast remains today, for many that this symbol originated in magic has been lost. Of course, there are all kinds of reasons for that, but for me, recognizing the magic is a big part of giving thanks. 
There are many things to be thankful for this Thanksgiving, but what I am most thankful, grateful, and truly blessed to have is a wonderful family that loves me unconditionally and supports me in everything I do. A family that is there for me in my time of need and a family that makes me laugh so hard that I have belly aches. That is what I am truly thankful for. Gratitude and giving thanks are important elements of magic. And something I do to keep the magic front and center is to pay attention to magical moments. I keep a magical moments journal to take notice in the little things that might otherwise slip my attention, which leaves me a sense of gratitude and awe every time. How do you keep the magic alive in your life? If you're looking for more magic, then I recommend giving magical moments a try. Life is a much richer experience with them as a part of it. What am I grateful for? I'm grateful for good health of myself and my family, um, that I will see my son tomorrow healthy, um, and that I've had time over this summer to relax and enjoy life. back to my obsession with traditional turkey dinner. In one word, nostalgia. Growing up, I really enjoyed family gatherings at my grandparents' house. I loved the energy of a full house of adults, where for years I was the only child. I think it was something different, yet also predictable, in that the men would watch college football while the women would prepare the meal, they'd all get mildly toasted, also known as drunk, and we'd eat a predictable spread of turkey, stuffing, green beans, cranberries, mashed potatoes with gravy, of course, followed by pumpkin pie and a family favorite, cranberry tort. What I find fascinating today is how closely I've held on to some of those traditions, while at the same time rejecting many of their meanings. When I became old enough, I was often asked to head into the kitchen to help my grandmother, mom, and aunts prepare the meal, which I strongly resisted and also resented. Why did they have to do all of the work while the guys got to sit around and have fun? And why did we always have to have turkey? Did you know that the original Thanksgiving was intended as a fast, not a feast? And that President Coolidge received a raccoon for his Thanksgiving feast, which he and his family adopted and named Rebecca instead, by the way. <laughs> and that Thanksgiving didn't become a national holiday until 1860, or actually maybe 1863, the dates are kind of vague, but it was proclaimed by President Lincoln to be a way of healing the wounds of the nation and restore it to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. This was after a 16-year drive to make Thanksgiving a national instead of a sporadically celebrated holiday by Sarah Josepha Hale, editress of Godey's Ladies Book, who intended it to become a religious holiday and petitioned five presidents before it landed with President Lincoln. With so many aspects of today's traditions that evolved from what we were led to believe were the origins leading to this holiday that aren't actually true, and the original sentiments of a peaceful cross-cultural meal under question, why is it that I still held on to the sense that I had to have turkey on Thanksgiving?
besides the nostalgia mentioned earlier, it's also about conditioning. Visuals of festive turkey meals, advertisements for Thanksgiving fixins, news stories about challenges of a COVID-era Thanksgiving and how turkey farmers are trying to accommodate smaller but more gatherings. Not to mention the attachment of Thanksgiving to now Black Friday and all of the commercialization associated with that. All of those tap into traditions taught early on and pull to conforming to them. Yet some of my most favorite Thanksgiving celebrations took place outside of those traditions. One year, a friend taught me and another friend how to make pot sticker soup. Another year, I went to Denny's, a restaurant with a lonely dude and his mom. I really didn't know either of them at all. I was just available and he asked if I'd join them, so I did. And yet another year, I created a Russian-themed party for myself with beef stroganoff and Russian-themed movies, and it was so much fun. Those experiences represent magical moments, and so do the sparks of joy experienced in my family gatherings. So today, I've decided it's more about the magical moment and way less about tradition. While my family still plans a feast, it is more fitting to our interests right now um, that we have barbecue ribs, potato salad, slaw, cornbread, and my husband's amazing British bread pudding. How are you celebrating today? And more importantly, what are you grateful for? Where are those magical moments for you? Thanksgiving 2020. I am thankful that my my family, my loves, are healthy and safe and can enjoy this Thanksgiving after what everything has been through this year. And I am thankful for the lessons that I have learned this year of 2020. There have been many. We have all seen a lot this year. We've all been through a lot this year. And I'm thankful that this Thanksgiving... I can say it's almost over. (laughs) But most of all, I'm just happy I have the love of family and friends, and I'm thankful for that. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. What those somethings are are left to those involved in the exchange, But the idea remains something for something in order to maintain an energetic balance. Going back to facets, I think that while sometimes giving and receiving does involve some kind of exchange, there is also something quite intimate about it, meaning that it isn't always about things happening in our external environments, but it is something that takes place within ourselves. To add a dash of spice to the mix, I will also go as far as to say that where oftentimes we think of giving and receiving as an either-or situation, either you're the giver or you're the receiver, it holds much more value and creates more balance and harmony when we think of it in terms of both and. We are both givers and receivers every time. Here's what I mean. Let's say I'm making a meal for my family. In the either-or approach, that would make me the giver and my family the receivers. But when looking at it from a both-and perspective, I am also receiving. 
I receive satisfaction in providing a meal that my family enjoys, as well as the enjoyment of eating that meal myself. If I enjoyed preparing the meal, that is also a gift I can receive. While some of what I receive in that scenario is externally based, such as the satisfaction of seeing my family enjoy what I've made for them, I also receive the pleasure of eating that meal myself, as well as joy when I put love into the preparation. But in order to feel that sense of balance and harmony in the giving and receiving dichotomy, I have to be aware of and allow myself to receive those gifts for myself, just as I would like others to receive them. The same holds true when we look at the receiver part of things. When someone pays me a compliment, for example, are they doing it because they are expecting a compliment from me? which the transactional based point of view of giving and receiving might suggest. Typically, the answer is no. They gave me a compliment to communicate to me something that they liked, appreciated, or wanted me to be aware of about myself or my actions. It probably made the giver feel good by voicing that compliment, but not so much because they said it than how it made them feel when it was positively received. That joy would likely be dampened if I were to discount, shun, or contradict their positive sentiments. It's likely you've heard the phrase, the joy of giving. Giving definitely carries with it a high potential for joy, especially when it's something you've intentionally chosen to do. But sometimes giving may come in ways that leaves the giver feeling underwhelmed, like if the recipients take those gifts for granted, which often happens in families, for example, or when the gifts are expectations that transform the gift into a sense of obligation. I've known many people in life who set themselves up to be constant givers. They give generously and willingly. To some, it's an integral part of their identity. And many of those people have a very difficult time receiving, whether it's a compliment or an offer of help. They are the giver after all. It's almost against their belief system to also receive. For others, it's the other way around. Somewhere in life, they lost a connection to their power seeking advice, assistance, knowledge from others without ever recognizing the great gift of wisdom they have right inside of themselves, ready to be put into service and shared with the world. And for some, it's a both and. In some aspects of life, they are givers and in others, receivers. Giving and receiving, just as life itself, is full of facets. Many of us have learned through the years a transactional approach to giving and receiving, like an exchange of products or services for money. Or if you're a spiritual explorer like me, you might also think in terms of energy exchanges, where someone provides something for another, and to equalize that exchange, the recipient provides something for the giver. As the receiver, that compliment is only a surface gift until I also give the gift of permission to myself to actually receive it. Then it becomes both a gift to me as well as to the person who gave it to me as they get to see my genuine appreciation for their sentiments. If you're someone like me whose conditioned reaction is to push compliments away as though they're undeserving or too generous, we are denying both ourselves from experiencing the good feelings of a compliment as well as the receiver by rejecting it. I am beginning to think of giving and receiving as an art synonymous to breathing. We want to both inhale and exhale to stay in healthy balance. Too much of one and we are off kilter, wobbly. But when we accept both as necessary parts of life, we thrive. Brene Brown writes, until we can receive with an open heart, 
we're never really giving with an open heart. To truly receive is also a practice of giving, just as to truly give is also a practice of receiving. We need both to feel fulfilled, to feel whole, to feel complete. When we give cheerfully and accept gratefully, says Maya Angelou, everyone is blessed. So I ask you, dear listener, where are the blessings of giving and receiving in your life? prayers for this Thanksgiving is to my family and friends that I'm honored to have all of you in my heart and in my life. May this Thanksgiving bring smiles, peace, health, and happiness to your hearts and homes. God bless you all. God bless us all. Love you all with all my heart. Thank you, and I love you again. Finally, a poem. A shout out to my neighbor Beth, also a poet, for turning me on to Mary Oliver. This is a poem by Mary titled Invitation. Oh, do you have time to linger for just a little while out of your busy and very important day for the goldfinches that have gathered in a field of thistles for a musical battle to see who can sing the highest note or the lowest? or the most expressive of mirth, or the most tender. Their strong, blunt beaks drink the air as they strive, melodiously, not for your sake, and not for mine, and not for the sake of winning, but for sheer delight and gratitude. Believe us, they say, it is a serious thing just to be alive on this fresh morning in the broken world. I beg of you, do not walk by without pausing to attend to this rather ridiculous performance. It could mean something. It could mean everything. It could be what Rilke meant when he wrote, you must change your life. Regardless of how you celebrate, if you celebrate, know that I am grateful for you, each and every one of you. You all have light to shine on this world, and it's in those lights, both individually but especially when combined, that love is found in all its facets, in all its glory. Peace to you, my friends. <laughs>